Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in episode 147. What's right with Nick Wright? Huge show today. The, the, you know, the other day I said we were going to try to have a quick show. I don't know that I can promise you that today because we have so much to do. We have an NFL draft recap. Round one of the NBA playoffs are over. Round two has already begun. Steph LeBron part five starts tonight. So much to get to right now. However, we must get to what. Oh, and by the way. My lovely daughter, newly 18-year-old daughter, Diora. Diora, don't leave me hanging. She's here hosting with me. Appreciate it. Uh, she's on the show. She just had a birthday this weekend. It was wonderful. It was lovely. Here's what did not make the cut for today's show. Not on today's show. DeAndre Hopkins saying, who said I want to go? Yeah, he did. Uh, DeAndre, I thought the Chiefs might trade for you. I thought someone might trade for you. You definitely thought someone's going to trade for you. That's why there were trade rumors. Aaron Rodgers, a little Madison Square Garden double dip. Ranger game, then a Knicks game. And then LeBron gives some bad wildlife advice, talking about if you see me fighting a grizzly bear, help the bear. That is actually a verse from a mystical freestyle. I preferred the tweet that he sent, which was a verse from Kingdom Come. Uh, back in 06 from Jay-Z. But regardless, we'll get to LeBron in a bit. But first, Dior. Oh, that's a look at the see. That's an unnecessary Photoshop with me yeah, helping help LeBron no with a grizzly bear. Give me a break. That is no way to start the show. We have too much to do to be distracted by this nonsense. Also, by the way, speaking of birthdays, uh, as we mentioned, Dior's 18th birthday was this weekend. Our executive producer, Matt Ford's birthday is today so happy birthday to matt diora what are we starting with so today we're going to start with the warriors pulled off this the series comeback against oh. the kings yeah. curry had 50 in game seven yeah if only someone someone on the show said that you'd regret picking the kings um it must be hard for you as a warriors hater and a sack stand steph is entering top 10 conversations but you still doubt the warriors you gave your flowers to Curry and also said the Warriors would would have won if Fox stayed healthy. No, the Kings would have won. The Kings would have won, won if Fox, if Fox stayed. stayed healthy. Yeah. So, which is it? Are the Warriors lucky or is it time for you to admit that you were wrong about them again? Can it be a little of both? No, it's a yes or no question. It's actually not a yes or no question. It, kind it was of an is. either or question. It was, it, was it this or was it that? 
That is not a yes or no question, ma'am. It's also a little of both. The Warriors did get lucky. De'Aaron Fox was 32-7-6 on good efficiency and was taking care of the ball. He then broke his finger and averaged, instead of 32 a game, 24 a game. The efficiency fell off the map, and the turnovers doubled. That was a huge factor in this series. All right. So that's where they got lucky. Where I was wrong is underestimating Steph's ability by himself, with some help from Kevon Looney, to just carry this team. And this is where, so listen, I and we'll get to Lakers-Warriors in a bit. I'm sad for the Kings, for the Kings part of it. Sabonis needed to be better. I didn't love some of their Game 7 rotational decisions. Felt like way too much Terrence Davis. I, I felt like Game 6, they went small, and may, and I understand Terrence Davis was part of that. Game 7, I, it's hard to kill them too much because they're up at half, but obviously that third quarter killed them. They couldn't make a basket. They couldn't get a rebound, and Steph went incandescent. Steph Curry, Game 7. Yeah, incandescent. Steph Curry, Game 7. Most points in NBA history in a Game 7 with 50. Furthermore, in the last 60 years, there has been one person to score 45 in a Game 7 win. And that was LeBron in 2018 in Round 1 against the Pacers. One guy's done it in 60 years. Durant scored 48 in a game seven, they lost. Dominique scored 47 in a game seven, they lost. LeBron in 08 scored 45 in a game seven, they lost. So only two even 45-point game sevens and a win, Steph just had one of them. So that then brings up the top 10 stuff. And that's where it gets tricky because it does feel like there are 12 guys for 10 spots. So my top 10 of the last 50 years, which you can check out on our YouTube channel, we have individual videos for every single player. It is absolutely worth your time. It should have gotten me an NBA awards vote, but I'm not bitter about it. He's a little bitter about it. My top 10 of the last 50 years goes like this. LeBron, Kareem, Jordan, Magic, Duncan, Kobe, Bird, Akeem, Shaq, Steph. That's how it that's how it was as of the end of last season. That's 10 names. You then add Wilt and Russell, that's where you get your 12. So where does Steph slot in there? Has Steph now jumped above Shaq and Akeem? I've got to It's really hard because Shaq's the most dominant player I've ever seen at his peak. Akeem's the greatest defensive player since Russell. So the Steph versus Shaq and Akeem stuff is tough. But ahead of Shaq and Akeem are Bird, Kobe, and Duncan. And this is where it gets really interesting for Steph. Because he's won on the same level of those guys. Duncan, five titles, six uh, finals appearances. 
Kobe, five titles, seven finals appearances. Bird, three titles, five finals appearances. Steph, four titles, six finals appearances. He is the greatest teammate in modern NBA history with the only close competitor being Duncan. He is not the defender Kobe or Duncan was, but he is arguably the most potent offensive weapon in the history of the sport. So how do you measure that out? The issue for Steph when it comes to jumping those guys is a body of work problem. And by that I mean, and I'll be quick on this, but it is worth noting, how many truly great seasons do each of them have? So Steph Curry, and again, you can check this out in the video series. And keep in mind, the video series was done before he won last year's title. Or it might have been done right when he won last year's title. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. The It was being done while he was en route to winning the title. Great seasons. Steph has four first-team All-NBAs, two MVPs, four total top five MVP finishes. So as far as this guy might be the best player in the league, He's unquestionably one of the five best players in the league. He has four years like that. Four first-team All-NBAs, four top-five MVP finishes. That's where it gets really hard for him against Bird, Kobe, and Duncan. Bird, nine first-team All-NBPs, nine top-five MVP finishes, and three overall MVPs. Kobe, 11 first-team All-NBAs, all 11 top-five MVP finishes, one overall MVP. Duncan, 10 first-team All-NBAs, nine top-five MVP finishes with two wins. And it's also, I know people were doing the is he better than Magic argument. I'm not ready for that. I don't think that's right. Magic had 12 seasons pre-HIV, 12 seasons. In those 12 seasons, nine of them, he was first-team All-NBA. Nine of them, he was top three MVP. Nine of them, he went to the NBA Finals and won five titles. So we, we can't, leaping him over Magic. Now, if he wins the title this year, it's different. Go ahead, Dior. Nothing. You wanted to say something. I was just going to say, like, how do we get here? Like, Because the question was about him being top 10 all time. And so we, we the, here's the problem with pe- when people do top 10s. They include 15 people in it. If you're going to accurately and adequately do a top 10, you've got to say who's in and who's out. Now, if you want to say Steph has now done enough to jump above Shaq and Akeem, I'll listen to it. Has he done enough yet to jump ahead of Bird, who would be next in line? I'm not quite there yet because he doesn't have the full body of work, but I think he will get there. 
And him versus Kobe and versus Duncan will be very interesting. Him versus Wilt is always going to be tough because Wilt did not have the winning. Wilt was not a great teammate, but Wilt was as individually dominant as any player in league history, obviously. All right, what's the follow-up here, Diora? How bright do you think the Kings future is? I think it's really really bright, but I'm not ready to say this definitively. I'll write it in pencil, not pen. They might have a... What are you laughing about? <laughs> Just like... That, that I'm a wordsmith, that I'm painting a picture of my words writing in pencil, not pen. Making metaphors. Yeah, you know? there you go. Exactly. I don't know if that would quite be a metaphor. No, it's definitely a metaphor. Eh, I'm not sure about that. Um, Here's the thing for the Kings, and this is what I'll write in pencil, not pen. Sabonis might not be a playoff player, and that would be a killer for him. Fox is. Monk is. I, I thought Keegan Murray acquitted himself very well after the beginning of that series, but I'm not sure. that Sabonis could be a... It's two. It's just seven games, but Sabonis was a problem for them. All right, next. Now we are set up for an all for an all time round two series. Yeah, Lakers Warriors Lebron v Steph. Yeah, Steph is fifteen and seven, and Lebron is in the playoffs versus Lebron in the playoffs versus Lebron in the playoffs. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, but Lebron- you're saying yikes about that stat or yikes about you messing up the the read? I'm not sure. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> go ahead <laughs> go ahead sorry as you were not funny if Le- um mm-hmm. if i see where i am okay thank sorry you. sorry if lebron loses to steph again how can you say that this guy is the goat and he's not even the greatest of his era okay how badly does lebron need this win for his legacy lebron does not need this at all and this is where and i just gave a love letter to steph but this is where I will not Cheating engage. I will not engage in a is Steph greater than LeBron argument. There is no basis for it. Just none. Forget the body of work stuff that I just laid out, where again, where I said Steph had four top five MVP finishes and four first team all NBAs. When and LeBron, just for the record, where he's at on there, he has 13 first team all NBAs and 14 top five MVP finishes, okay? So forget that part of it. And as far as, oh, what if Steph has a winning record against him in the playoffs? Check Michael Jordan's record in the playoffs against Larry Bird. Spoiler alert, it's 0-6. Check his record against Isaiah Thomas in the playoffs. Check Shaq's record against Carl Malone in the playoffs. It's 1-8. Here is... What actually is on the line in this series? For now, if either one of them win a championship, it has massive legacy implications for them both. LeBron wins a championship in year 20, and it is no longer debatable who the greatest player of all time is. Steph wins a championship in year 20, and I do think he probably, he's not in year 20, pardon me, but at age 35. That ends the Steph versus Larry Bird discussion and makes the Steph versus Kobe and discussions really, really interesting. Versus Kobe and Duncan discussions, pardon me. But here's what Steph has an opportunity to do that he's never done. And he should do it because of where they both are in their career. 
And I understand LeBron's 38, Steph's 35. So it doesn't sound that different. But here's the reality of it. LeBron has played playoffs and regular season combined 65,000 minutes. Only Kareem has played more. For some context on that, Steph has played 35,000 minutes. Damian Lillard has played 30,000 minutes. So all of the minutes on the court in Dame's career playoffs and regular season, add that to Steph's career playoffs and regular season, and you have LeBron's career. So here is the opportunity that Steph has this series, win or lose. And this is why I don't care that much about the overall record. He has played LeBron in the playoff series four times and a play-in once. He has never once outplayed him. Never once. The 2015 finals, LeBron was 36, 13, and 9. Steph was 26, 5, and 6. And LeBron was so dominant in that 36, 13, and 9, they gave finals MVP to a guy who averaged 16 points because he held LeBron to 36, 13, and 9. The 2016 finals, LeBron was 30, 11, and 9, and Steph was 22, 5, and 4. The 2017 finals, LeBron was 34, 12, and 10, and Steph was 27, 8, and 9. And the 2018 finals, LeBron was 34, 9, and 10. And Steph was 28, 6, and 7. There has never been a single finals that Steph outplayed LeBron. Not one. So I understand he has the winning record because for he's 15 and 7. For eight of those wins and only one of those losses, he had Durant with him. In 2015, it was LeBron, Mozgov, and Della Vadova. They had healthy, evenly matched teams once in 2016, and it led to one of the greatest finals ever and LeBron having the greatest three-game stretch in the history of the sport. So it will be good talk show fodder. It is also utter nonsense. If we had, and again, that is not disrespectful to Steph. It is just an accurate reading of the situation. Next. Okay, so, you know, look away, Demonze. But the second. Do you think Demonze, by the way, is watching the no pod? No chance Demonze watches the pod. I disagree with you. I think he's watching it. I don't think he's watching it live. Oh, he's there. Demonze! Oh, he's there. Look at this. Whoa. Wow. He's in studio. Oh, I'm my indeed goodness. I'm indeed watching. I'm indeed watching. What's wow. up, bro, sir? Who you do you oh. want to try to throw shade there? I'm up wow. watching live. Is this your first time I didn't mean to say it? screw you, but yes, this is my first Look. time being in the office. It's not yeah. my first time watching it live, though. Oh, It's okay. not. This I, is also, I also sent Are you a little bit of money for your birthday yesterday. Did you get it? I did get it. I saw okay. That. All right. Awesome. I just wanted I to make sure I, I didn't get a yeah. message or anything, you know? 
But I love you guys. Oh, this is Excellent we're all supp- supposed to play Fortnite last night, Demonze. This is delightful. You, you also you didn't text me for that either. Okay. All right. Hold on. Sibling rivalry notwithstanding. Diora, if you could read this question, because then I do actually want to talk to Demonte for a moment about this series just because this is his team. But go ahead. Okay, so the 76ers won game one last night and the Celtics behind James Harden's 45. The scariest part is Embiid didn't even play. What does Demonze have to say about it? Well, we can ask him directly, but I also think we have a tweet of his that we can show. Demonze, we not worried about it is all I'm going to say. Laughing emoji. Laughing to hide his tears and fear emoji. Um, So what's the question here, Scoot? Uh, everyone is going to overreact, overreact to this Celtics loss. Are you? All right. You? So before I answer, because the, and you guys can then cut my mic for a moment because I know there's going to be some audio weirdness with Demonze answering. Demonze, our resident Celtics fan, give us your take on this game and that series and the series. Um. Hey, man. I I just don't think that what the the Sixers did and what James Harden did yesterday is sustainable. Uh, the Celtics are gonna pick it back up. You know, we always tend to get sloppy. I'm not worried about it. I 100% think that you should fear what's gonna happen next to the Lakers. Uh, a lot okay. more than me. Well, we're not talking about the Lakers. I'm I, I'm feeling good about it. I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Here's why. I do think, and let's turn off DeMonte's mic for a moment just so the audio works better. I do think there is reason for concern for Boston in this regard. Boston has not looked like the championship favorite that they allegedly are since the first game of the postseason. The first game of the playoffs They blew out Atlanta. It looked like that series was going to be a laugher. The second game of the playoffs, they beat Atlanta. It was maybe a little closer than you'd wanted, but it was fine. It looked like the series was going to be a laugher. They then lose to Atlanta in game three, lose to Atlanta at home in game five, and then need a furious fourth quarter comeback to beat Atlanta in game six. You then play Philly with no Embiid, Harden, fresh off a Vegas trip. He drops 45 on you. And some really uh, an odd game from Jalen Brown and some odd post-game comments from Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was 6 of 7 in the first quarter of that game. Finished the game 8 of 10. So after the first quarter, he took three shots the rest of the game. He's asked about the end of the game when he was trying to push in transition and then didn't, and he, when they ended up getting a shot clock violation on the play, and he says, uh, yeah, I was trying to run, but no one was running with me. He also has this very odd hand cut on his hand that he said he got from picking up a vase. Okay. His, like, the Jalen Brown thing is something to monitor and be at least semi-concerned about. Furthermore, there's another one, Dior. Furthermore. The Celtics lost a game 
where they scored 38 points on 85% shooting in the first quarter. I've never I've never seen a team shoot 85% in a quarter, ever. I'm sure it's been done. I don't remember ever seeing it. And this is why not taking care of business and playing with your food, or as Doc Rivers unfortunately called it, not taking care of business and playing with your meat can come back to bite you. The Celtics, had they won game five against Atlanta, this series against Philly would have started on Saturday. Embiid would have missed that game, clearly was not going to be ready for game two, which was going to be yesterday, and maybe miss game three. Now, you go longer with Atlanta, you lose game one, now Embiid doesn't even have to come back for game two, and Philly has already stolen home court. So, I, I'd i love to get more from Demonze on this, but it does seem like it's the audio's not great uh, when we go back and forth with him uh, using the producer mic. Hey, but I will say this. The other thing, someone should tell Demonze's guy, Robert Williams, Time Lord, that the playoffs are here because he's supposed to be their X factor and the guy's getting 20 minutes a game and is yet to have, I think he's had one super high-impact game. So I think there are a lot of warning signs for Boston. Conversely, Philly, at some point, has to get some respect considering they're undefeated in the postseason despite Embiid only playing two games fully healthy and three games at all. And they're 5-0. and oh. And right now, if you remember, my, you know, my pick was Lakers-Sixers, the two teams with the best record since the All-Star break across the entire NBA are the Lakers and the Sixers. And shout out to Harden. Playoffs have been a bugaboo for him his entire career. And not only 45, but a step back, go ahead three in the final 20 seconds as his big time in the final 30 seconds. That was as big time as it gets. Now, do I think Philly's a lock for the series? I don't because I don't know the health of Embiid. But the idea, Philly was a 10-point dog yesterday. Boston losing that game, it really is a disaster for him. All right, last one of this first segment, Dior. Despite poor shooting all around, Denver took a 2-0 lead um, on the Suns. Yep. Jokic, um, sorry. Yeah, you got it. Jokic looked like the best player in the world while KD couldn't even buy a three. Yeah. You picked the Nuggets in this series. Are you worried at all that this is Kings Warriors 2.0? No. I, I think Phoenix is in real trouble. I've been saying that. I said it when they were beating the Clippers. They do not have a bench. And yesterday, Monty Williams actually tried to play. He played 11 guys. He, I, I'm going to do this math quickly. 26 plus 16 is 42, plus 11 is 53, plus 9 is 62, plus 5 is 67. Plus, He played his bench 
70 minutes. So there's only 240 minutes in it to, of playing time in a game. 48-minute game, five guys on the court, 240 minutes. He played his bench for 70 of those 240 minutes. So what is that? Like right around 28, 29%, something like that, of the game was given to the bench. How many points do you, do you or I know you didn't watch the game, it was on late. How many points do you think those, that bench, 70 or 29%? God, that's satisfying. Let's do 70 over 240 quickly. I like that. Um, how many, how many points do you think those bench players combined for in their 70 minutes of action? Give me a range. Well, the least they could score is zero. Well, yeah. The team scored as a total 87 points. The bench played about a quarter, 20% of the game. How, how much do you think the bench scored? Oh, hold on. I'll help you out. I'll give you this. The Nuggets bench, which played 54 minutes, had 13 points. All right. So not that much. Um, I'm going to say 24. The bench scored four points. The bench was two of 16 from the field. Gave you nothing once again. Damian Lee gave you 26 unproductive minutes. Josh Akogi, who was a bench player but started for you, was one of three from the field for two points. So your non-big four guys were a combined three of 19 for six points. Not going to work. You then add to it that Chris Paul tweaked his groin. Shocker. The Suns are in dire straits. And then you have the odd Kevin Durant part of it, which is Durant. Listen, Durant was not good in this game. In these playoffs as a whole, he's been good. He's been 28 a game, 28. Nine and five on 50% from the field. He's been good, but not as dominant as I think people expected him to be. Good, but not good enough. Say it again. Good, but not good enough. Yeah, it seems unfair, but that's what it feels like. He hasn't had a single, I'm Kevin Durant, I'm going to, you know, destroy your world game yet this postseason. He's been very consistent. Yesterday was his first bad game from a field goal percentage standpoint, but 27, 25, 28, 31, 31, 29, 24, but they need more. And, and I said this and brew and I don't know if wilds agreed or disagreed, but the minutes were going to catch up to him minutes played in, in these playoffs were in 44, 44, 41, 44, 44, 36, because they got blown out. 44. Booker's been excellent. It's not enough. I think the Suns are in real trouble. And on the Jokic stuff, I know people are going to recreate my history on Nikola Jokic. Never said the guy's a bad player. I simply said I did not think he deserved his two previous MVPs. I also said this year I would have been fine with him winning MVP if he hadn't won the previous two because this year he fit the bill of an actual MVP. Had unbelievable stats, 
the team was the one seed. They're a real contender. But I wasn't going to let, I wasn't okay with Jokic winning three in a row. With all that said, he was extraordinary yesterday, and he's been awesome this postseason. And Lakers Nuggets in the conference finals, which we saw in the bubble, is going to be great. And we're going to get it again because the Lakers are beating the Warriors. I didn't actually give that just real quick here. I think Lakers Warriors is going to follow the exact same beats as Lakers Grizzlies. Where the Lakers win game one, lose game two, win game three and four, lose game five, win game six. I think that is going to be the beats of this series. And I think the Lakers, out in order, so I just hurt my ankle, in order to win a championship, the Lakers are going to have to probably go something close to undefeated at home in the postseason. They're a quarter of the way there at 3-0. Diora, excellent first segment. Demonze, that was delightful seeing you. It's also quite, don't care season five. Demonze wrote on, wrote on a, him, a piece of paper. What'd you say, Diora? I said they can see him, I think. Yeah, well, well, here's the thing, Diora. This is an audio and a video enterprise. So some people just listen gotcha. via podcast so they can't see all our cool graphics, our cool studio, your lovely outfit today. They can't see any of that. They just, they are just, you know, listening. So I have to, you know, walk, I have to read for them. Demonte says season five. That's not happening, pal. Season five is not happening. The Celtics could win the series, but Celtics and five is not happening. And the Suns and that Chris Paul injury, if he's out, man, it's not that he's been great, but they don't have the depth. And that was the concern with putting all your eggs in a basket with a 37, 38-year-old point guard. 30, how old's Durant? 34? It There's some real, real risk there. Ooh. And I think they're seeing it now. Quick break. 60-second break right back. Talk a little NFL draft and play a cool game. That's all Jeez. next. What's right? With Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, you will be eating stress-free this spring. Each meal is chef-crafted, fresh, and dietitian approved More importantly, they are never frozen and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled up all day long. Try meals with premium ingredients like filet mignon, truffle butter, and shrimp, restaurant-quality food that you do not have to prep, cook, or clean up delivered right to your doorstep. And if you need to change your deliveries, you can pause or reschedule whenever you like. Factor is your solution for fast and premium meals. Also, for the month of April, Factor is celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. So, 
What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next. Fuel up fast, eat better, and get back to what you love doing this spring with Factor. All right, welcome, welcome back. Oh, do that every time. Welcome back just in. Let me have okay, it. Okay, just remind me and I'll let you have it. But it sounds bad and we both do it. I'll just let you have it. Now, your brother is in L.A. watching from the studio. I never let him do that. But he also didn't have the audacity to even try to do that. Demonze understood his role as the co-host. Like We, we are both we co-hosts. Just, we don't have to have the same argument. Next, you're going to try to argue with me about barbecue or something. We don't need to be in reruns already. You're wrong. That's fine. Don't worry about it. But welcome back in, and you can do that in the future. Uh, what are we doing with before we get to our game? So we're going to talk about the NFL draft has come and gone. Yep. And there's lots of talk about QBs and, oh, my gosh, QBs and the Lions taking and Taking a running back. Taking yep. a running back. Yep. But most importantly, do you think people already throwing the Eagles Super Bowl parade is a bit much? Okay. Listen, I do like what the Eagles did. Jalen Carter could have been the number one player in the draft. Massive off-field concerns, but the talent is undeniable. They think they have the culture to deal with it. At number nine, they traded up from 10 to nine. I get it. The player they took at 30, Nolan Smith, is the guy I wanted the Chiefs to draft at 31. So I'm not going to act like, I don't understand why people are loving days after the draft what the Eagles did. It should be noted on Nolan Smith that despite his insane combine measurables, athletic freak tests that he that he just aced, he was not wildly productive at Georgia. Last year, he only played eight games. And sacks can be a misleading number where he only had three. The guy only had 18 total tackles. So the upside is there. Situational pass rusher. Down to down, I don't know. I still, Again, I wanted him on my team. But the other thing that sh- I think Howie Roseman is really good. I also think there is some confirmation bias thus far in how we evaluate him, okay? So let's just go through his first-round picks over the last few years. Because he's been great at trading, great at being aggressive, find, drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round, believing in him. All that stuff is a triple plus. The draft, however, last year they took Jordan Davis at number 13. The jury is out on him. I think he's good. I think he'll be good. Nobody can act like what they saw from him his rookie season, which was marred at the end by a high ankle sprain, is enough to definitively say, oh yeah, no doubt that was the right pick. The year before, they took Devontae Smith at number 10. I like that pick a lot. I think that was the right pick. Now. It's not fair to be like, would you have rather had Micah Parsons at 12? Of course you would have. 
But the question is him versus the receivers that came after him. He's been better than Kadarius Tony, obviously, better than Rashad Bateman. So you like that pick. The year before that, in the first round, they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. That is a massive miss. The year before that, in the first round, they took Andre Dillard. In the, that was a massive miss. They, they took Derek Barnett. I don't know if Howie was there when they took Derek Barnett. They took Derek Barnett in the first round. He, he's fine. I don't, I don't think many Eagles fans would say, oh, yeah, he's, he lived up to that first-round pick. And obviously, the Wentz extension was a disaster. So I do think there was a little too much of media groupthink. And just drafting all Georgia guys, I, I think, could have some downside to it. But I like their players. I like the guys they got. And if my team were drafting in those spots, it's who I would have wanted how, them to take. How do you think the Chiefs did? So they addressed their three biggest positions of need. They didn't move up to get Nolan Smith. They stayed where they were, and they took the Kansas City kid from K-State, Azuma, to be a defensive end. That's back-to-back first-round picks. They've used on defensive end last year. They obviously had two thanks to the Tyree Kill trade. I liked Karloftis last year. <clears throat> we'll see what Azuma does. In the second round, they, they according to the consensus boards, reached massively on Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver from SMU. Now, he was wildly productive in college, and they obviously liked him. I, I'm i not going to act like I scouted Rasheed Rice. I'm not a draft guy. We'll, I wanted them to go defensive end, wide receiver, or wide receiver, defensive end in that order. They did. They just got to be right on the player. And then they took an upside tackle in Wanya Morris, and again, they traded up in the second and third round to target both of those guys, so those were clearly players they really wanted, and so then you just got to see if they end up being, you know, last year they crushed the draft, only Seattle had a better draft than them last year, so you got to wait and see. They did address their biggest positions of need. Now, I do want to spend a couple minutes here talking about the other big stories of the draft, okay? I cannot overstate what a long-term disaster I think the Texans draft is going to prove to be. Everyone loved, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people loved it because they end up with their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, and the best defensive player, Will Anderson. The price they paid to go get Will Anderson in trading the 12th pick, the 33rd pick, And this is the most important part. Next year's number one pick is bananas. It's in the Texans could be the worst team in the league next year. They they traded away the number one pick of the draft. Or maybe the number one pick of the draft. Their number one pick. If the Texans loved Will Anderson that much. You could just stay at two, draft him at two, and then at 12, take another blue chip player like Christian Gonzalez or trade out of that pick, which you obviously could have, so you can draft Caleb Williams, who is a generational prospect next year, or Bryce May, or even if you just love C.J. Stroud, 
C.J. Stroud on this team, they're not going to be good next year. I can't believe the Cardinals. The Cardinals very likely, I shouldn't say likely, it is absolutely on the board that the Cardinals go into next year's draft with the first and second pick of the draft. They could be the worst team. The Texans could be the second worst team. So I thought the Cardinals crushed. I thought what the Texans did was bat crazy. And now I want to defend the Lions for a moment. All of my smart media friends, they're in agreement on one thing. The Lions draft was stupid. They they drafted these non-premium positions and they didn't get the value they needed. All of it. Here is my tepid defense of the Lions. I don't think drafting the second best running back in the draft at 12 is good strategy. I don't think drafting an inside backer at 18 is good strategy. I understand that. I think the Lions looked at it like this. They must have believed that Jameer Gibbs is good enough in a normal draft to be far and away the best running back in a non-Bijan Robinson draft. Everyone agrees that Jack Campbell is the best inside linebacker. Everyone agrees that Brian Branch, the safety that they got in round two, is the best safety. And they must have fallen in love with Sam Laporta, a player I liked, but everyone was shocked that he went before Michael Meyer, but they had the opportunity. So I think they looked at this draft and said, with our first four picks, we can get the best or the second best player in the entire draft at four positions and instantly have for the next five years a top-level starting safety, a top-level starting tight end, a top-level starting inside backer, and our top-level running back. I understand the positional value part of it. I understand why, analytically speaking, it was not sound. But I also understand the Lions' perspective of, okay, we're sitting there at, where was there, uh, 45, We could get the seventh best receiver or the best safety. We're sitting there at 18. We could get the fifth best pass rusher or the best inside backer. We're sitting there at 12. We could get the fourth best offensive lineman or a running back we love. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't think it's as quite as insane as what seemingly everyone else in the analytical community thinks it is. So those were my big draft takeaways. Uh, and now we can move on to the game. Go ahead. Okay. In this game, we are going to run through each of the remaining playoff teams. And you will give us a reason why you think they should they can win the finals. A reason why you think they can't win the finals. And what each team's X factor will be. Yep. We've heard you talk enough about the Warriors and Lakers, though, so we're going to stick to the teams who can actually win it okay, all. Okay, well, that's a, that's a cheap shot at both the Warriors and the Anyways, Lakers. Anyways, um, yeah. first off, the Celtics. All right, why can they win the finals? Embiid, not fully healthy. 
home court throughout. Tatum plays out of his mind. That's why they can win. That's their path. Why they could, wouldn't win is a really weird Jalen Brown situation. I just, I haven't loved his quotes. I haven't loved, I thought yesterday was bizarre taking three shots in the final three quarters. I think that could play a huge role. And the X factor is their rookie head coach, Joe Missoula. And the Joe Missoula has not exactly bathed himself in glory thus far this postseason. And even if they get out of round two, Spolstra, what they have waiting for them, and that the best coach in basketball, that could be a hell of a challenge in round three. So, to me, their X factor is Joe Missoula without question. All right, next. 76ers. All right, so why? It's very simple. Outrageous depth and the MVP. That's why. Why not would be playoff Harden. Mm-hmm. If playoff Harden, who yesterday was not playoff Harden, and that's a great thing. And the X factor is Tobias Harris. I feel like we know what we're going to get from Maxi. We know if Embiid's healthy, what we're going to get from Embiid. If Tobias Harris can consistently just give you what he gave you last night, which is not a ton, but right or what? Let me see what he finished with last night. I think it was right around 20. Tobias last night had 18 points on 16 shots, made two threes. That's all you need from him. It's very simple for them. Next. Okay, next is the Knicks. Okay, the Knicks can't win the title. I'm sorry, Knicks fans. I know you're mad at me. Say why they could, though. Why not? I, the, you think there's nothing they could? I mean, the 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 other teams canceled their flights. I, the Knicks can't win the title. I, they can't. We're going to walk out of here and there's going to be a crowd. Uh, listen, and then the Knicks have been better than I expected. I was wrong about them to a degree, but they don't have enough top-level talent. They just don't. They can't win the title. Why not? They don't have enough talent. The X Factor, call it the MSG crowd. That'll be great, but sorry. we just Let's just move on. Next. The Heat. Why can, why can the Heat win the title? Yeah. Jimmy freaking Butler and Eric Spolstra, the best coach in the league and a dominant playoff player. That's that's why they can win the title. It's very simple. Jimmy Butler, and now he turned his ankle, and we got to see how healthy he is. I bet he plays tonight. They, they have the best coach, and they have a guy who has been playing at the highest level of anyone this postseason. That's why they can. Why they can't is the overall talent's not enough. They're leaning a lot on Kyle Lowry, and then you get to Struess and Vincent and Caleb Martin and a Zeller brother wearing a mask. The X factor is Kyle Lowry. Does Kyle Lowry have one more great playoff run in him? If he does, man, that's a back that is a tough ass backcourt, man, in Butler and Lowry. All right, next. 
The Suns. Why could they? Mm-hmm. Booker and Durant ha- have the highest scoring run of any champion duo ever. That's their only way. The highest scoring duo of any champion ever is Shaq and Kobe in 01 at 59 a game. They're going to need Booker and Durant to be 65 a game for them to win the title. Wow. Okay. Why not? Depth. They have no bench. They barely have a starting five. It's very simple. Why not? And the X factor is Chris Paul's health. If Chris Paul's, like, even if he's healthy, I don't like him in this series. If he's not healthy, they're cooked. And the maybe there's news on that since we've been on the air. I haven't seen it. But the soft tissue injury for Chris Paul, you could see that coming a mile away. They were playing him 40 minutes a night in round one. I kept saying this was a bad idea, and it, ha- and it already came to fruition. Next. The Warriors. The Warriors is not next. The Nuggets are next. Oh, yeah. The Nuggets. Okay. They, we said we're not doing the Warriors or the Lakers. That was your own words. Why can the wow. Nuggets? I'm just telling you. Why can the Nuggets? Jokic continuing to play at an insane level plus their overall continuity and depth of roster. It's not that they're crazy deep like they go 10 guys, but you don't need to go 10 guys. But what they have right now is they have seven guys they deeply trust with a sneaky eighth man in Christian Brown. But Jokic, Murray, Gordon, Porter, KCP, Uncle Jeff Green, and Bruce Brown, you trust them all in the playoff in, in these moments. And Christian Brown's been good. Why wouldn't they win the title? Michael Porter Jr. They need him to be a consistent threat from the outside. And he's a weak. He's a weird guy in that he doesn't have many B games. He has an A game and then some C and D games. And the X factor is the altitude. The X factor for them is a home court advantage when you are playing every other day that is like any other team in the sport because guys get there and they don't have the stamina for it. Like, if they were to in the conference finals, they will play either the Lakers or the Warriors. LeBron is old. Can he handle that altitude? Steph runs more than any player in league history when he doesn't have the ball. Can he handle the altitude with them having home home court advantage? It's a legitimate question. And that is the X factor, how well trained their opposition is to deal with that altitude. All right, that was a really good game. Answer your questions in the G- in the C block. Questions and comments. That's next. What's right? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. 
Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode 147. You were supposed to do the welcome back in, Scoot. No, we uh, said I'd do it for the other one that you already took from me. Oh, okay. All right, we'll start that next week. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are the questions that we're going to read? And if, So, first question. Yeah. Uh, G- Gabrielle. I think it's Gabriel. It might be Gabrielle. But my guess is it's a man, so Gabriel. Why is that? Because I think I, I've seen the metrics on our show. We're about 86% male, 14% female. All right. Well, yep. he says he's going to Kansas City in a few months. And what are the top three barbecue spots there? Arthur and also, Bri- happy birthday. Oh, uh, Arthur Bryant's Jack Stack and Joe's Kansas City. Those are the top three. Next. Arthur King said, do the Chiefs trade for D-Hop? No. They, now that they use a second-round pick on a wide receiver, I don't know that they – and they don't want to spend the money on it. I I don't know, other than Tony – if they have a top flight talent in the receiver room, but they certainly have enough bodies. So right now the chiefs wide receiver depth chart is Kadarius Tony, who was a number one pick three years ago for the giants sky Moore, or I guess Kadarius Tony's number one pick two years ago. Depends on how you look at it. Sky Moore was a second round pick for the chiefs last year. Rasheed Rice was second round pick for the chiefs this year. MVS, there's four. They signed Richie James. They like Justin Watson, who was on the team, and they have a flyer on Justin Ross. So that is and so no, I don't think they're adding any more receivers. I kind of wanted them to spend an asset in the draft on a tight end because I wanted them to be able to learn from Kelsey, but they didn't prioritize that. All right, next. Okay. So Coach Mystic asked. Mm-hmm. If there's truly 12 guys for 10 spots, which he agrees on, mm-hmm. why don't we just make top 12 the measuring stick from here on out? Listen, I'm fine with that. Club Superstar, which we do every year on the show and which is being debuted next week on First, first Things First, Club Superstar is a very strict 12-person rule, one in, one out. Hey, people can't throw around the superstar word. Sorry for hitting your shoes, baby. Um, the superstar word to, you know, liberally, and it's 12 men. And NBA teams are 12 men, essentially. So I'm good with that. But other people aren't. People like top 10s. They like big, easy, round numbers. And because of that, I listen, the top 12 is inarguable. The 12 greatest players in league history are, and we could argue about the order, but they are LeBron, Kareem, Michael, Magic, Russell, Wilt, Duncan, Kobe, Bird, Steph, Akeem, Shaq. That's 12. After that, you then get into another section. The old timers in that section are West, Oscar, Dr. J, Moses. The kind of bridge the gap guy in the section is Isaiah Thomas. And the contemporaries in that section are Giannis and Durant. That's seven. They're their own bucket of guys and then that next group one of which is a top 20 player the others are not are wade dirk garnett mailman mike in if we want to go way back pettit koozie that that group of guys 
and it gets complicated from there. Again, I'm sure I left someone out, someone out when I was talking about that next bucket of people. But um, I think for the most part, we got it. Is there anybody? I said Dirk. I think I said Carl Malone. Barkley's in there. The, the CP3 is probably in that next little group. It gets complicated. It's hard. A lot of NBA history. What about Luca? Well, Luca, you know, obviously will be right. there. And Luca, you know, I had 20th on the 50 grades the last 50 years. Uh, this year kind of hurt that, and he needs to put a few more pelts on the wall. But Luca obviously is going to be there. Let's just keep moving. Go ahead. All right. Adam asked, will the Warriors shooting and pace wear down, wear down LeBron more than Memphis? Who in the Lakers can guard Curry? Well, listen, I'll answer it in reverse order. First of all, Vanderbilt will start on Curry, but they're going to be switching everything. And the nobody really can guard Curry. The point is, can you can you affect him enough? Can you take away the other things? Can Anthony Davis make sure Looney doesn't kill you on the offensive glass? The Warriors shoot. So this is so interesting for both the Warriors and the Lakers because it's going to be a culture shock for both teams. So the Warriors go from playing a team that's all offense, no defense, to the best defense in basketball. That is an incredibly long, incredibly strong, incredibly physical are the Lakers. The Kings are all finesse. So that's going to be a tough adjustment for them. The Lakers on the flip side go from playing the worst shooting team in the playoffs, Memphis, to the best shooting team in the playoffs in the Warriors. That's going to be a culture shock. Who adjusts most to that is key. I also do think while LeBron typically treats game ones as feel-out games, that tonight's game is a sneaky gotta-have-it game for the Lakers. Because after tonight, it's every other night for the entirety of the series. And tonight, the Lakers, they're coming off some rest. The Warriors are coming off a seven-game war. So I think it is the Lakers need this win. Next. Um, Fozzy. A gene. A gene said, Nick. You said that Giannis losing in the first round can affect him being the best player. So does Luka not making it into the playoffs affects his his high rating? He also lost in the first round twice. Yeah, so Luka losing in the first round to the Clippers two years in a row a few years ago when Luka was absolutely sensational in, the, in those series and the Clippers had Kawhi and Paul George for the entirety of both those series. That didn't negatively affect him. This year and being the lower-rated seed losing to the Clippers. It's very different than being a one versus an eight. But this, yes, of course. I went into the year saying Luke is the second-best player in the sport. I no longer say that. Can't say it anymore. Can't miss the play-in and be healthy most of the year. Just can't. That So, yeah, he's it did affect his rating. Absolutely. So there's no question about it. So, yeah, I, I love Luka, and, but he did not, the team... The, the Mavs were a failure in all effects. So is Lucas still a superstar? Yes. But can I call him one of the two best players in the sport anymore? I cannot. Diora, you were excellent today. Do, oh, you don't want a rating? No, I don't. 9.0, your best one yet. Demonze, you... Actually, last one was a 9.2. No, it was. I thought it was an 8.9. We're going to have to check the tape on that. 
Uh, if it was, then I'll readjust because this was your best performance yet. Demonze, it was great to see you, my son. You're doing great in Los Angeles. We love you. We miss you. Uh, sorry that, you know, your Celtics are going to lose to the Sixers. It's going to be tough for you to deal with, but, you know, such is life. Uh, if the Demonze, I will tell you this. If we get a Lakers-Celtics finals and they're in L.A., I will buy you tickets. I want everyone to know how loud the, he is right now. Okay, well, do you are interrupting me? If we get Lakers Celtics finals, that would mean the Lakers have are at home for games three, four, and six. I will buy you tickets, Demonze, to a great bar in Santa Monica to watch the game. I hope you enjoy that. Talk to you guys uh, Thursday for the show. What's right? Hey, it's Nick Wright. Thank you so much for watching. Please do us a favor. Click subscribe. It helps my ego. And Demonze's got a financial bonus writing on a number of YouTube subscribers. So help him out. And also click the bell. I don't know what the bell does, but they tell me to tell you to click the bell. And your audio listeners, people that have commutes, drives, whatever it is, subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you get the podcast. Same show, just, you know, just in your ears instead of through your eyes. All that. Check it out. Appreciate y'all.